Welcome to the Overtime Hockey Podcast. Today's show is going to be a big one. It's got a star-studded cast. Tim Kolomainen for Breakdown Sports USA will be joining us. And our newly added columnist, Howie Hansen, will be joining us as he's, of course, uh, writing on a daily basis on the MNHockey.tv, uh, covering high school hockey the way it should be. And we have plenty of big things to talk about. Of course, it was a uh, very busy day with some big scores out there uh, that we're going to get into. But before we do that, we have to, of course, take care of our sponsors that make all this possible. First of all, uh, Sniper's Edge Hockey. What a great company they are. David Schuler will be joining us a little bit later on in the program just to talk a little bit about his product. And the reason why I like having him on the program is he's so hockey-centric, and it's for a lot of our listeners and fans of the program and the website. So a little bit more about them. It's whether you train in your garage or at the rink or backyard, Sniper's Edge Hockey has the training products to help you play more and get better. Check them out online at snipersedgehockey.com to learn more. And, of course, longtime partner of ours, Tradition Companies, is a family-based, Minnesota-based company working for the good of your communities. They're helping you connect the dots with your land development, financial services, and home-building needs. Learn more at traditionco.com. We'll jump into this, boys. Uh, wow, what a night. What, what, what do you guys, let's start first with you, Howie. Uh, Duluth East and Grand Rapids. We saw Grand Rapids open up with an 11-0 whitewashing over Hibbing. Sure, the Blue Jackets aren't uh, the Duluth East Greyhounds. Mike Randolph's gone. We've got a new coach. What's going to happen here? And once again, it's a thriller, 4-3. to three. Can you talk about what you saw in that game? Well, uh Clearly, the Thunderhawks took it to them. They were up 4-1, and East came back uh, with a couple late ones there in a third, and including an open net, or not an open net, but a uh, six-man uh, pulled a goalie type goal at the end there to make it a little bit close. It wasn't as close as what the score indicated. Uh, Grand Rapids got a nice team, good set of forwards. Um, you know, classic, oh, or classic uh, Rapids team. Uh, Duluth East is clearly rebuilding under a new coach and off to an 0-3 start. Do so it's you, really, it's a, it's a two-horse race really in 7-AA between uh, Andover and Rapids in my view. And you know, I, I got a good look at Andover this weekend at the uh, uh, Tonka Thanksgiving preview. We saw them uh, sweep, but they had a tough game against Rozo who had the lead after two uh, by a score of three to two, but then uh, they bounced back, uh, did Andover and win. So uh, we will be having that game in Grand Rapids uh, on the uh, CARE 11, uh, the tradition company's Hockey Night in Minnesota with CARE 11 game of the week. So very excited to push that one out, and uh, that's going to be good. That's coming down the pipe, so I'm sure all eyes will be on that game, especially when it comes to the rabid fans of the 7AA uh, Tim, up in your neck of the woods, uh, I got a good look at the Rozo Rams. And, you know, I know everybody was saying, and for both of you, you guys can both jump in on this, but a lot of the discussion was, you know, last year was their year. Maybe that's why Andy Lundbaum isn't there. You know, who knows? I mean, I know it is Rozo. They take it seriously. They got the Lund brothers at the helm, Greg and Billy getting the job done. Boy, they played a really uh, grizzled uh, game uh, for two days in a row down in the Twin Cities and uh, were impressive um, in, in beating Minnetonka and, and then really hanging with what I feel is a very good top 10 Andover team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they, uh, I know in the preseason we ranked them. We did put Moorhead number uh, as the top team in that section, 8AA, but we had Rozo kind of hot on their heels. Uh, they have talent back. I mean, yeah, last year you maybe thought was their year, but, um, you know, they got guys back like Max Strand, uh, Gavin Gunderson, Kellen Murphy. Um, 
you know, those guys, those guys can put the puck in the net. And uh, they played last night too. They played up here. They, I didn't see the game, but they played Thief River Falls up here in Thief River and uh, beat them five to two last night too. And I shot them 37, 15. So they, uh, they look like they, they came out of the gate rolling. Whereas my Moorhead team is uh, 0-2 after losing twice in the Turkey trot down here. So early indications are maybe uh, maybe Rosa's a little better than we thought and maybe Moorhead uh, have a little bit of struggle to start the year. Well, I think, guys, the, the thing, that, speaking of that turkey trot, which which surprised me, was Edina came up with two quality wins uh, at the trot, and uh, they beat Wyzetta pretty soundly in that game, and Wyzetta's a good hockey club. Uh, and they also beat Maple Grove, who I had, had in the upper mix there. So um, I, I don't want to say I wrote Edina off. I usually take them with a grain of salt because they're always going to play heavy and hard um, they're going to be in the mix. They're going to win their games. They'll have some really bizarre losses mixed in there every once in a while, which, you know, I mean, you're not going to win them all uh, typically. But, um, you know, I think that's a team people are going to have to put back a little bit more on the radar. They're definitely uh, uh, clearly in the mix. I don't know if you guys had a chance to check out any of that action. You know, Wags, we had this discussion a few years back, right? I think I ranked one year I ranked Edina towards the bottom of the top 10 maybe even into the teens. yeah and that was the year they won a state title after all those guys left you know the Andre Lee and those guys and I said I think I said to you at that point I'm like I am never going to underestimate Edina again no, no matter what I, you know I when I looked at the turkey trout field leading into it I thought to myself yeah it looks like maybe we'll see maybe a Moorhead Maple Grove final on that one and uh, we actually got a Moorhead Maple Grove third place game instead um so yeah, the late conference kind of uh, showing out early there. I, yeah, Edina is always good. They well, they just seem to find guys. Uh, Jimmy Clark is is awfully impressive too. So you know their practices are a little bit different. You know because I ha- I have the luxury of being at games. If I'm doing a girls game, the boys are usually finishing up practices and. You know, Kurt's coaching staff, he really trusts. You know, Dave Twilliger does a, a terrific job, and uh, Greg Oslickson is there as well. And, you know, they they basically, collectively as a group, have been so strong. And their practices uh, really reflect that. They're, they're pretty representative of that. Wouldn't you know, I didn't hit the airplane mode or the uh, do not disturb, as you can hear the call coming in on the phone here. So, sorry, I don't know if you guys can hear that. I'm sure the listeners can, but... Uh, it's just the boss that's calling. No worries. Um, but uh, watch out for them. A score last night that came into me that was um, very telling. Um, Chaska Hawks under Matt Cook are now 3-0. and uh, They had a really nice start uh, in Bloomington for that turkey trot type owner uh, opener type of situation. But then they have what John Conley, who was on the call. And by the way, I mean, these games, you know, we're talking about Grand Rapids and Duluth East. Uh, we're talking about Chaska and Chanhassen playing each other. Uh, we've got so many games. Get off the wallet. It's worth it. I mean, you know, Howie, it's like having the NHL center ice package. You can watch all these games equivalent to going to what would be nine home games for your favorite team. You, We have over 1,500 varsity JV boys and girls games in the schedule right now. Well, I'm a, I'm a believer, and uh, it's been interesting to see the uh, evolution and uh, the birth of, of that uh, minhockey.tv uh, uh, project that you launched there. Um, it's on, you know, it's, I think it's so far ahead of the curve. It's, it's clearly allowing a lot of shut-ins, you know, to see games and people that are out of the area, that, that especially during a COVID uh, time. Uh, it's just a, just a great project. And, you know, as you know, I ran a, I ran a blog about that uh, 
recently and my phone has rung on the, off the hook almost from people wanting more information about it and stuff like that so hats off to you uh, uh pete and uh, your your team there for putting that together and providing that quality service and and i know your your mission is sincere um that's one of the reasons why i'm proud to be associated with you folks because i know it's all about the kids it's i really like the quote you gave me and i'll paraphrase here a little bit in the in the piece i wrote saying something about you know not every kid you know and i played high school hockey so i'm in minnesota so i and i get this but not every kid is gonna you know play at the next level in high school but let's make it as great as we can uh for the kids now and i think that's if we could all kind of keep that out front, I think, and I think we do a lot. It's a it's a small, uh, in tight circle, of course, uh, high school hockey and youth hockey in our state. But uh, I really commend you for that. I mean that with a lot of sincerity. Thank you. That uh, that means a lot. And thank you for that great blog. It, uh, my phone has rung off the hook too with uh, great words from your work and and what you put together. So um, thank you for that. And, you know, I mean, when you hear the words of Miko, Miko Koivu in his uh, retirement address yesterday to the media, he was talking about how, um, you know, he, he loves Minnesota. He, he, goes, he goes, I didn't know coming in as a, as a kid um, that, that, that there's this youth hockey. And then and he goes to youth and then high school, which is just incredible, college and obviously the NHL. It's just a really special blend. And, you know, Jack Parker said it best at one of the Hobie Baker Award uh awards over at the old decathlon club when when he said um you know minnesota don't screw it up uh, you've got community-based hockey where everybody around the country uh, and i recruit everywhere is trying to be what you can and you've got a, a group of people here that are trying to be like them why uh you've got rinks in every backyard you've got uh, pride and you've got people playing for something and um i just do think that this should be the kids show this should be their nhl you know i know i had a, a son that was lucky enough to play way back in the uh, probably eight nine years ago uh to play high school hockey and um the core group he was in a wedding where there, I don't know. It, it, these days they have like what a dozen groomsmen and bridesmaids. I, I swear, but anyway, there there was quite a few, six or seven, eight, and um, all of them had played hockey together at some point, and I thought that was pretty telling, um, because really what it spoke to was what this whole thing is about, and we are going to be starting a film here shortly, following the Benilde St. Margaret's Red Knights, and we want to do this, you guys, a little bit differently in that we look at the Red Knights uh, as, a, as, as a high school experience and not as the quest. Not, you know, it's not about the result, it's about the process. So we're going to shoot it completely differently from what you've seen in other products and components out there, and I am looking very forward to seeing what these kids are going to allow us. And the Red Knights boys did not disappoint. How about them coming out? I had Hill Murray number one, and they made me look terrible last night <laughs> as as the Red Knights uh, come in with a five to three win. Very impressive. They're an empty netter for them, but you know I'm sure you know Ken Pauly was less than pleased with how his team looked after their scrimmages. And uh, they came out and did what they needed to do, two in the first and two in the second. Um, really good hockey game for his team. And, you know, for him, Drew Stewart had a 3.9 with two goals and an assist. Uh, Michael Ristel, watch out for him. He had a, a 2.9 as well. I mean, they, they, they are, are going to be on the radar, and I think it's, you know, they've got really good defensemen. 
He was not happy with their scrimmages, and I think the kids heard the message. But I, I don't know. Watch out for the Red Knights. Um, and I still think Hill Murray is quite a good hockey club. So the, Hill Murray did not lose to a slouch there at all. Well, I think I think also that uh, you know, getting back to the Sedina topic, uh, you know, they're almost like the Rodney Dangerfield of Minnesota high school boys hockey. <laughs> they, they never see they never seem to get the respect that they truly deserve, and you know that they're going to be there battling right to the very end. And you know, it's kind of a Kurt Giles uh, uh, mentality there. Of course, uh, you know they're going to get in your face. They're going to take away your time and space. They're going to play, as you said, Pete, uh, they're going to play real heavy. And, uh, you know, I'd ne- I would never bet against the Hornets in, in the playoffs. Uh, they can definitely make a run. And I, I too, like Hill Murray. I think Hill Murray is uh, deserving of that high ranking. And uh, I heard from a couple sources that uh, the nail look really good in those scrimmages. So, you know. I don't know if that's just coach speak or motivational or what. But, uh... you, you, you'd love this one. I get a text from Ken Pauly, and this is just how he is. He goes, quote, you better not put us on one of those games of the week. We don't deserve it. And I'm like, oh, I, so I wrote back, uh-oh, what, is that? <laughs> what does this mean? And he, go, he goes, no, we're fine. He, he, he said, you know, it just it wasn't uh, – it wasn't what he expected out of the box, and you know what he's so good at doing. And, and I, you know, Tom Klein did mention this in one of my earlier podcasts is that that Ken does such a really good job of knowing when to and when not to with players and diving in. And uh, I think that is a, a really, really uh, important component uh, to Ken's uh, coaching um, is when to and when not to. But he's a really good motivator, and uh, that team is ready to play. Circling back, uh, uh, Tim, I want to bring you in on this one. John Conley was on the call, and um, this game was a 3-2 to two hockey game at the Chaska Community Center. And uh, if you're listening, you can go back in under the high school package or under the Chaska package and buy the single game just to watch or just buy the package because you're all missing out if you haven't at this stage. So let's go. Anyway, uh, he said that that game was so good that he feels as though with the way Chan Hassan and Sean Bloomfield have things kind of on an upward tra- uh, trajectory, that this could be one of the best rivalries in high school hockey because they're starting to match each other talent for talent. I don't know if you've been tracking those two teams, but um, I heard that was one heck of a game. Yeah, actually, I've heard that from several people about Chan Hassan too, you know, just they've been down. Chaska's been the, the team that kind of uh, down in that part of the suburbs has the attention, but he said, watch out for Chan Hansen. You know, they've, they, they've got some stuff going on there. There's some young kids coming up. Uh, you know, they're, they're planning to keep all of the youth guys coming up. And he said, we're going to be really good. Chan Hansen is going to, we're going to make a name for ourselves. And I think they proved it to a lot of people in this game. You know, they fell behind three to nothing, but they were out shooting Chaska. I think they outshot Chaska in all three periods of that game. Um, you know, made a, made a rally in the third period to, uh, to kind of cut into that and make it a close game down the stretch. But yeah, that's that. I, I'm not surprised based on the, the, the little insider uh, tip that I got that Chan Hassan is going to be this good this year. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if they can carry that forward. That's the toughest thing. You see that in a lot in high school hockey. You'll get a, a really good group of kids. They'll come through, uh, you know, and, and try to make that breaks through into that next level, kind of like Prior Lake has been trying to do for the last couple of years. I know we've talked about them multiple times. And that could be this next Chanhassen team. We see them, you know, uh, get some winning records at the high school level, start to put some success together, and then maybe try to translate that into playoff success too. 
Well, and if it, they can, keep that keep that momentum going. I mean, it, it, it's fun to see new programs rise up. Well, it, it, you know, it, it, well, I was just talking about this yesterday too. Uh, Shakopee is is a team where people are starting to say, okay, um, they're they're coming, guys. Uh, be ready for them, and I fully agree with that. You know, it it, it becomes um, communities' turns. But what I've learned in Howie, you've been around the game long enough that it takes a while for teams to. I always say you usually have to lose in order to win, and then you have to really suffer some heartache in order to win a title. And we see these emerging programs kind of like billowing toward that. I think of a Maple Grove of the world. Uh, I'll be curious to see what Rock Ridge does now that they've merged together two programs. They're almost like a new program, that type of thing. Uh, what are your thoughts on that theory of mine that you kind of have to... It's a long run and process to get yourself into the championship mix discussions. I mean, look at Prior Lake as an example. They've been winning at the youth level for years, still trying to translate it to the high school level. Maybe this year's the year there. Well, I think, you know, there's a lot of issues you brought up there, Pete, but I would say this. I think the the model started in the in the early 70s at Grand Rapids when uh, Gus Hendrickson, you know, um, got the... Um, the then Grand Rapids Indians off and running. They had Johnny Rothstein and Casey, and they had a that great run, and they were sending a lot of guys to D1, uh, mostly to uh, to uh, UMD. Um, but, I mean, it, I think another major issue is that it's what is if the kids can kind of uh, just be hockey players, I think, uh, when they get to the high school level, I think that's really going to help. Certainly starts with the feeder systems, uh, the kids come up, whether they have the success or not. But I think it's a, it's really it's, and this is a topic that you know, I'm going to write write something about at some point here. Is that, you know, letting the coaches do what what they need to do. You know, for the parents to try to do their best to uh, stay out of the way, to not uh, challenge the authority there of a coach, to let the coach do what they do best. I'm really concerned, and Tim, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on this too, but I'm really concerned that. One of the, one of the big risk factors for um, high school hockey um, in Minnesota, particularly, is that you know how are we uh, supporting and uh, and nurturing our coaching uh, current coaches and the issues of retention and recruitment are becoming more challenging along with refereeing, um, and I think that uh, you know. You know, you look at the Mike Randolph situation. Basically, they ran him out of town. And uh, he's the best, you know, one of the best coaches in Minnesota. He probably will be Minnesota's all-time winningest high school hockey coach. And and the parents got really engaged there in, in, in a losing season. And, and uh, he didn't have the support of the administration. And so I'm, I, I, I've seen a pattern here that is very concerning of our coaches uh, – you know, having to take on that extra workload and emotional burden. And I'm wondering how many of the real true, um, you know, in it for the kids, if you will, old school, uh, high school hockey coaches are going to continue to make that choice to continue to coach. I think it's a, it's a major issue. It's, it's kind of a, a season within seasons that we're in here. It, it is, it is, it, it's an interesting um, a thing. And I think it comes down to, what matters most? Uh, is it about the results or about the process? And I've always felt as though um, you can't win everything every year, and it's about the process. And sometimes um, 
things work and sometimes things don't, Tim. And you, you cover multiple sports with multiple thick book magazines, which are absolutely terrific. So you've seen a lot of success and you've seen a lot of failure. Uh, what say you to all of that as far as, you know, patience does pay off? Yeah, it does. You know, I, I like your uh, result versus process. To be honest, even in a sport like football, where they talk about, oh, we have seven classes. Well, you know what that means. I mean, there's only seven teams that are going to end their season the way they had hoped to end it with a, with a state championship. Hockey, it's only two. You know, there's, what, 150 other teams that are going to have a loss in that final game and, and you know, go into the offseason a little bit disappointed. Um, it's just a. You just have to take a look at the, the process of it. I mean, what, what are you trying to teach the kids? What are the kids getting out of their high school hockey experience? If you're expecting, uh, in the end, to have a professional contract and, uh, and uh, three or four state championships, um, you know, maybe you're looking at it wrong. You, you know, you, you've got to enjoy the experience of it. It's, it's got to be fun for you, too. And uh, it, it's got to teach you. It's got to teach you about life. It's got to teach you about yourself. It's, you know, I, I think maybe we're getting focused or, or parents or, you know, society in general getting too focused on that end result as opposed to the process, like you said. It's funny. All these books that I do every year, uh, it feels like within, especially within the last 10 years, there's been a lot of coaching turnover, which means I have to, you know, introduce myself to a new set of coaches each year and kind of get them into the into the flow of what we're doing. And it's... Um, it just feels like it's been it's been more intense over the last decade or so. Nobody the, the, would the know that been... more than you, right? Nobody would know that yeah. more than you. And um, you're right; it, it has been. And you know, I think there's a couple of things that come into play. Howie, and I've been all over this. You know, Mike Randolph was a teacher, retired. You know, he's going to coach until he can't stand anymore. And you know, he'll probably end up. You know, if Trent Eigner, whenever he decides to say, you know what, I'm done here at St. Thomas Academy, uh, you know, Mike Randolph's a Catholic guy. Uh, he'll probably just say, yeah, I'll, I'll take this gladly, you know, um, you know, why not? So, um, you know, it used to be teacher coaches and I, I talk about this a lot, you know, I mean, it, it was, it, it fit the job. You'd go to school to be a coach, to, you'd go to be a teacher, to be a coach. And then, uh, what would happen is you would probably have your sixth hour off. Uh, you would go to practice or you would do a game. And then uh, before you know it, uh, it's time to uh, uh, do summer hockey and do some clinics there because you're off and it's a perfect blend. If you're working a sales job or work for a company, you better be independently wealthy or have a really great sales manager uh, that will allow you the opportunity to be away from work. Uh, the pay is not great. You might not have the ability if you're working a regular job other than coaching to be able to do the summer hockey. So therefore, then you start saying, okay, this is a lot of time. I'm younger. I'm having kids. My boss is in my kitchen. I'm out. And I think you run into a lot of attractive candidates that think they can do it. But once they start doing it, they can't do it. That's why I'm not saying every coach should be a teacher coach, but I'm saying it blends into the schedule perfectly. Howie? Well, the other... You know, I, I really like that 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 thought, and I, I 100% concur with it. And I would also say that one of the other benefits of being a teacher coach is that it allows the coach and the the coach to uh, to be with the students if they're in the same school. Exactly. And there, you know, there's a lot to that. I remember as a as a as a three sport athlete in high school, uh, when I would continually go into the coach's office you know just to for mentorship and for support 
and 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 you know I I, I see how difficult it is for these coaches uh, when they come in uh, to the rink only, and that's the only access they have to the players. It's a, it's a whole different environment. I also wanted to say that you know one of the things that's intriguing about the Hermantown program, and everybody talks about you know about you know should they move up or not, but you know what they've really done there in Hermantown is they've created a, a model, almost like an old school model, of of uh, rink ratting with the outdoor rinks and the kids just loving you know having that Mark Pavlich type uh, passion for the game, and uh, you know they they've got they you know they played that stepped up uh, traveling schedule of course and whatnot as you almost have to do to be uh, in the development mode. But, you know, you go up to Hermantown and, you know, you'll, you'll see on any given night, you'll see all those four outdoor rinks and that in one indoor sheet uh, is occupied. And those kids are walking, you know, the, the 55 feet from the school and rink ratnet and in and, and beautiful outdoor ice like they used to have in the International Falls back in the 60s and 70s. And, you know, there's a there's a there's a commonality there between. Hermantown success and what uh, you know they had in the falls and when they made their runs and I, I when I saw the indoor ice coming and I remember skating in a game at the Duluth Arena and I think it was 69 I'm dating myself but I remember thinking boy this ice is really different you know it feels like you know like wax and it was I felt clearly it was slower than the ice that I had skated on but I began to see the evolution of the um, the traveling thing even back then and I remember thinking you know are the are we going to have as much fun as players as as kids you know because we got our passion and and we learned our life skills and whatnot in in shoveling off that outdoor rink and all these things so clearly it was a paradigm uh, you know it, um, for the for hockey in general in the state of Minnesota but you know maybe maybe we can learn from the past a little bit and maybe we can learn from programs like Hermantown, you know, that, you know, and, and I know that's not always possible because it takes a lot of volunteer hours and a big commitment on the part of communities to do that. But Jim, up in your area, I mean, War Road and uh, Rosso, I mean, they haven't uh, really moved too far off that model. No, Rosso has been famous for that, you know, for having that rink open all year for, for kids to just drop in. And uh, I mean, you can see what it's done for their program too. I think, you know, part of this, is uh, viewing, you know, you talked about just pick up hockey and hitting the outdoor rinks and all that and playing for the love of it. And I think it's easy nowadays to kind of look at it as an investment in your kid. You know, you, you have a lot of camps, you've got the AAA hockey in the off season and, and you know, you're doing a lot of that, which is all great. That's, you know, that's great for learning about hockey. That's great for everything. But I think it's easy to look at that and think I'm spending this much this is the investment that I have to do in order to get my kid to a certain level. And you kind of lose sight of why they're playing. And, and, and like, I, I guess we're going back to the same result versus process. You lose sight of why they're playing hockey because they love hockey. That's why they want to play. And you're, and, and it's easy to look at it and say, I've invested this much and I should get this end result. And that's kind of a, a wrong way to think about the whole thing. Well, yeah, I mean, like I, you said, play it, for the love of it. Go hit the outdoor rink, you it, know, whatever. It comes. Well, then you look because you love it. It comes down to also, it comes down to why are you playing? 
What is the purpose? Are you playing for notoriety? Are you playing for esteem and uh, status within a school or a community? Parentally, why are you pushing it? Are you pushing it because you want your kid to be cool? Are you pushing it because you think it would look good if they're a Division One player? Uh, are you doing it because you couldn't? Um, those are all negatives to me. Uh, I think if players are doing it because the player loves it, because the player wants to do it, because the player wants to achieve the next level, the player wants to be the very best they can, they want to represent their community, they want to be with their buddies. That, to me, is what I see a lot of, and I really enjoy uh, those components of the game which are alive and well. And I, I, you know, back to your original point, Howie, to me, that's what I'm trying to do with this, is to really bring to light the beauty of the game and the process. That's what the MN Hockey TV is really about. And um, it's been really fun, so for sure. Well, I saw that. I saw that, and I I did a, a kind of a deep search uh, dive into uh, your different uh, you know streamed games last night. It was really interesting to to see you know the barns, the various barns being uh, featured, and you know and that you know, it was excellent video, and I I really enjoyed it. But it was interesting. To, to as I watch these games, to, to kind of think in that regard, to compare it back to the uh, to the early '70s when I played, and and uh, thinking back over all my many years of interviewing many, many, many high school hockey players from around the state of Minnesota, and uh, both during their careers and and many, many more afterwards. And you know, the one thing that they all say is the memories that they have are a you know, hopefully they went to the state tournament and they had that experience. And, you know, they all talk about that, of course. But beyond that, if they, whether they participated in the state tournament or not, they all talk about the time and, and the, uh, the fellowship, if you will, that they had with their teammates, you know, and how they kept those, uh, those relationships and they became groomsmen and, and uh, you know, in each other's weddings. And they've kept that, that, tremendously strong connection as they supported each other and into their adult lives and became community leaders and whatnot. But um, I don't know. I, you know, I'm just not, I'm not really looking at the big picture. I'm just not a really big advocate of making this so organized and so uh, professional with the goal of trying to develop, uh, you know, as many professional potential professional hockey players. I think we no, got to take a step can't. back and take a deeper look at, you know, at the experience. And as you, as you, as you, as I praised you earlier, Pete, in your, in your, in your site, I mean, I, I really believe that, you know, that we've got to promote the game. We've got to promote the kids, you know, make every kid feel good about, you know, the commitment, because it is a strong commitment, but also let's get the kids back out on the rink you know, in a less structured type environment. I don't know what the solution to that is, but I remember talking to my good friend, uh, late friend, Mark Pavlich, you know, and I played against him many, many times. And, you know, I was a centerman too. And I remember looking into his eyes and I could, and I, and what I remember is Pav, you know, just had that pleasure in his eyes to, to, to play the game. And I, I saw that in his eyes and he, he stands out as one who, uh, and, you know, and he, you know, and that's, you know, he had the whole experience, yes, but he loved the game first. And um, I'm not, 
you know, for I'm sure. Hey, hey guys, I, I hate to do this to you, but I got a hard stop here. I'm going straight like the, the news networks now, but uh, I have to move on to my next segment here, uh, which will be yeah. uh, with uh, David Schuler from Sniper's Edge. We'll talk about some of the personal training that kids can do to uh, to get better as well. So we'll pick up this de- discussion again uh, shortly, but uh, we're going to have to move on to our next segment. And I thank each of you for joining me here today. Thanks for having us. Thank you, you bet. All right, take care. We'll be back with more right after this. And we welcome you back to the Overtime Hockey Podcast. Of course, Tim Colomine is a part of this program, and he is the high school hockey guru and expert. And we're pleased to bring in a partner of ours here at the MN Hockey TV. Of course, we're going to be speaking with David Schuler. He's the owner and CEO of Sniper's Edge. You can find them at snipersedgehockey.com. He is also the Arctic Wolves second line left wing, which is code for a top six uh, winger. So uh, I'm happy to bring you on board. And uh, thanks for partnering up with us and uh, helping bring hockey to the masses in ways we've never been able to do. So uh, good morning to you, and I'm really looking forward to speaking with you and your business, your vision, and uh, all the great things you have to offer. Good morning, Pete. Glad glad to be with you. Thank you. So let's get right into it. You had a business, I believe you were in investment banking, is that correct? Yeah, my I spent the last 20 years uh, kind of in, in more of an investment-related field. I, I started my career. Uh, career out of uh, out of undergrad which was at the University of Minnesota I started my career in investment banking and and spent four years doing that uh, some part of that time is in Minneapolis I had a chance to go out to New York City for a couple of years uh, when I was in my early 20s that was kind of fun um, but I wanted to end up back here in the Twin Cities I, I took a job with uh, a private equity firm uh, that's called North Star Capital uh, whose business is to invest in small privately held companies uh, really across a range of industries uh, and, I, and I spent almost 15 years with that firm and became a partner a couple of years ago. Uh, North Star focused in a range of industries but that included consumer products, uh, manufacturing businesses, distribution businesses, etc. I really just kind of fell in love uh, with, uh, with small business investing and um, I had an itch to do something even more entrepreneurial after my time there and uh, wanted to get even closer to the operations than just being an investor and board member. Uh, so uh, I, I um, work with my partners on uh, on kind of a thoughtful transition uh, so that I could kind of explore what's next. And I left kind of in the middle of 2020, so about a year ago, and uh, started networking for other small businesses to invest in. And uh, through those efforts, I got introduced to Sniper's Edge, and uh, I knew the company as, um, as as a hockey parent and coach, and someone that plays in a men's league. And um, I just instantly fell in love with the business. It's a it's a local business here in Minneapolis. They have an e-commerce business model, um, and profitable yet uh, still a small company, and an ample amount of growth opportunity. And um, you know, I, I just absolutely love the game. I love hockey culture. All of our friends are are into hockey, and so we, we it was kind of serendipitous. It, it kind of felt like it was exactly what I was looking for professionally. Uh, it had the attributes of the company I was looking to invest in. Uh, plus, it's such a fun product and a fun business to be a part of. And so, uh, completed that uh, transaction in the beginning of 2011. Uh, jumped in as the CEO uh, to join the existing management team uh, that we have in place and have made some additional hires since then. Um, and 
looking ahead to uh, 2022, lots of additional hires that we, we plan to make as well. So an exciting time for the company, and I'm glad to be involved with them. So you have a passion for hockey, obviously, and uh, you were uh, we've spoken many times about looking for something different to do, and I'm sure this is a completely different world. I mean, business is business, right? Um, but, but from um, a mechanical execution and being entrepreneurial and seeing your vision and saying, you know, we have this, we've done that, or that has been done previously. Here are some things that we need to do. If you were to, to, to say, you know, I basically took the magic wand over this uh, landscape of the business and I'm going to make some changes. Uh, what were those and what did you keep that was good? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I, I'd, I'd say that I, I had the advantage of, uh, making an investment in this company that already had kind of 15 years worth of uh, of track record and brand building. So it wasn't it wasn't exactly a startup. We weren't starting from you know from scratch. It already had some uh, some brand recognition. It already had a presence online and through Amazon and through a number of wholesale relationships. Uh, so that part was really very favorable, and yet it was still a small company, and there's still a lot of things that I would say that the business just hadn't yet gotten around to, or we were just starting to scratch the surface on doing this or doing that. Um, An example would have been like our social media presence. And uh, we had accounts across all the major platforms, Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, YouTube, et cetera, but really hadn't invested the time and didn't have the resources uh, to really kind of focus on how to accelerate efforts and how to get the most out of those platforms and so um so that's just one example of uh, product development is maybe another type of uh, uh, an avenue that we've explored you know our intuition is that you know we're very proud of the 15 or so products that we sell um but there's a lot more out there uh there, there's first there's existing products that people are buying from our competitors that we think that hey why don't we figure out how to make you know that product as well uh, but then there's also some proprietary things that as we've been talking to players and, and trading professionals that have brought ideas to us uh, that we've been able to be more thoughtful and methodical about, you know, maybe we should develop uh, a passing tool for on ice that works this way instead of instead of that way. And and so then to go back and work with our engineering partners and our manufacturing partners to to, to try to come up with whatever the, you know, the next iterations of these products are. So I'd say that that's been, an, um, you know, a, a major focus for us over the last couple of months. Um, we, we've, we've done a lot on, um, you know, behind the scenes that I'm excited now within, as of the beginning of November, that's finally able to be seen by the public. And that is, uh, we spent a lot of the last six months kind of working on a website redesign. And um, part of that is, um, uh, of doing a lot of uh, videography work and and also doing a lot of still photography work. And so, you know, now when you go onto our site, each one of the product pages, you can see um, not only some good still images, but there's parts of the website they can click through to see um, here's uh, 10 different drill ideas for how to use the Passmaster. Uh, here's an installation video. Here's, um, you know, a highlight reel to kind of show it in action. So, um, a lot of the work had been done behind the scenes, um, but very kind of pleased that this momentum built throughout the last seven or eight months. Um, that now we've got all that stuff onto our site. We can post that on the social. We can use that as a way to kind of create more engagement. 
you know, with our customers and, you know, have them come back to the site, whether they decide to buy another product from us or not, um, have reason to come back and kind of learn more about the game and learn more about how to use and take advantage of the products that they might already have. Do you, um, so that's been really fun to do. For sure. Do you view this, uh, your company and your products as an on ice or off ice based product? Yeah, it's a great question. The truth is that the products can be used for both, and each product has its, um, maybe it would be slightly beneficial for this or that application. So if I kind of go down through the list, uh, we have a stick handling tool that's called the, uh, the Sweet Hands. And the Sweet Hands essentially is kind of recreates what, if you were to set up cones on the ice, you know, and have kids kind of do stick handling, slalom around the cones, uh, that would be the kind of tool that it would do. And um, it is designed to have uh, holes on the bottom where spikes can screw into. And when you buy a Sweet Hands, you're, it comes with the spikes. So you can have it on dry land or you can put the spikes on them and put them on the ice. Our Pass Master Passing Aid, which is a triangle-based passer that's a really heavy-duty, made of steel, has a rubber band, a very durable rubber band that goes around it. Same thing where it has the spikes that go underneath. Um, or you can take them off and put it down in your basement like I have in my basement. Um, then we have a tool that's called the, uh, probably the product we're best known for because it's so visible is a shooting tarp. And the shooting tarp is the big seven or eight foot tall and 16 foot wide uh, where there's a goalie and there's the five pockets. That is primarily going to be a, something that's off ice. Uh, but there's a product that is called the Ultimate Goalie that looks like that same goalie design, but is designed to uh, wrap around a net and be tied to a net with bungees. And so that, again, could be an off-ice or an on-ice tool. So, so the answer comes down to um, you know, each, each product, um, and some of the products are designed to have that versatility in mind. Uh, some of them, like the shooting tarp, just naturally lends itself to being an off-ice tool a little bit better. Uh, some of our other products include um, a synthetic ice product that um, is a great um, a great product. It's it's new for us within the last two or three years, but it's really been a top seller. Um, How much of that is, do you, you know, sell? By... How much of that do you sell per per purchase? Like, so your average customer is going to you know take how much square footage, and uh, where where are they putting it? Yeah. Um, so garage basement backyard i would say um we're also selling into training centers uh we're selling it to um uh we, we just did a deal with a, a shopping center in california uh that is that is putting on a kind of a studio size rink um using our synthetic ice product so uh, but i'd say most of the customers are homeowners and uh so the synthetic ice it's um it's a, it's a real it's a very highly durable product it's thick um it's great for skating you've um, been on it, it right so you, you've been on it correct for sure okay yeah. and um yeah. how accurate to edging and not that you're flying around but do, do you get the same bite as you would with ice with that i'd I, the, candidly you don't but i'd say that that's uh i i think about it in the industry where the synthetic ice industry is better than it was five years ago, but it's kind of like how artificial turf was 10 oh, years ago. Sure. And there's different, there's different waves of technology that happen where every couple of years, 
you're going to get closer and closer to the real thing, like artificial turf to actual grass. And I'd say every couple of years, synthetic ice is getting better and better. We believe our product is as good as any product that's that's out there. Um, I skate on it. My kids skate on it. And um, uh, it really stands up to a lot of the other competing products. Um, there is something about the chemistry of, 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 a, of a steel blade on a skate that goes into ice that it, it cuts and it glides. And there's something about a synthetic ice product that catches it a little bit and slows you down. So if you were to have a full ice synthetic ice uh, game or scrimmage, it, you, would, you would notice it. It would feel slightly different. But, but you can still have the game. You're, if you're having small area games, if um, if you want to, um, it's definitely is a slick surface, so it's great. It's great for passing. It's great for doing all the tools. Um, I especially think, um, you know, if you if you want to do the drills and kind of recreate game like conditions, you want to be shooting pucks while you're on your skates. You know, you want to be practicing stick handling while you're going forward and backwards, not just on your on tennis shoes. So. Um, I, I think there's lots of opportunity to be able to do that. There are some homeowners that, you know, with means that are putting in, you know, a thousand square feet or, you know, something that's, that's significant. Um, and there's others that are just buying one or two boxes and each box uh, comes or, or, um, uh, comes with four panels. Each panel is two feet by four feet. So you can start off with as small as 30 square feet, uh, which, which would be enough to, you know, to have someone stand on it while they're ripping shots or um, or passing, or you can you can buy multiple boxes and have a much larger area that kind of invites a little bit more uh, room to skate. So, so a couple of things it really comes down to what the family's budget is and what they're looking for in their space. When you've got enough, it's not one size fits all, which is fantastic. So one of the things that that I would say as a former goaltender, uh, I could always tell who would be in the summertime uh, out shooting pucks. And there were probably on a team of, let's say, 15 skaters at the time. Let's say we're about ninth, 10th grade. Uh, there'd be about three guys uh, that you'd say, you shot, you shot, and you shot. Um, goaltenders, you know, speed, eh, you can deal with it. No big deal. I mean, it, it's trickier when people come in at speed and angles and things. But the toughest thing for us to deal with is a good shooter. And if someone can shoot the puck, and, and it's not necessarily the accuracy that's the big deal because our job is to take those things away. It's, it's, it's how you release it. It's where you release it. It's how quick it comes off your stick. Are you deceptive in doing that? Um, where you put it, you should do that. But the point is, is I think the more you shoot, the better you are. And if you use your passing, do you call it passing tutor? Is that what you call it? Uh, Passmaster. Oh, sorry. Check that. Our, check our that. Product, yeah. The Passmaster. Um, I I would if if I were a kid like right now, I would have that and I'd be banging pucks off that constantly to the forehand and the backhand, catching it to the backhand quickly, get to the forehand, to the backhand shoot. Those are the things that help you become goal scorers. I think we spend so much time as a as a hockey culture, and I've said this before, especially in Minnesota where we love the assists, right? Um, but really, goal scorers win games. You've got to be able to score, and they're hard to manufacture. One way you can become a goal scorer is, is you look at these tools that you have. They're absolutely critical to how your hands and your shooting and your transfers and where you shoot it work. And I just think from 
um, if, if I'm a hockey parent now, I would put these tools in my garage, in my basement somewhere. Uh, if if your if your your player loves the game, and uh, this would be really good things to hone the craft and a lot of fun to do. Yeah. <clears throat> well, well, thanks, Pete. You, I mean, you touched on a lot of the, uh, a lot of what we, why we think that our our products are are fun to use and why ultimately they're they're really beneficial. Because you're absolutely right. I mean, hockey is. I think about it like this. Even if, um, even if you're at the rink four or five days a week with practice. Um, when you're in practice, you're doing what the coaches want you to do, and it's kind of more team-based stuff, and it's strategy, and it's you know various kind of specific stuff. And if if your weakness is you're not as good on your backhand, like when are you actually going to have the time to practice that? You need to put in the time on your own. Just like if you're a basketball player, you know if you have a hoop in the garage or in the driveway, excuse me, um, or if you're a tennis player, you just need to go and hit serves. You just need to do it over and over and over again until you get your comfort level up. Um, so that when it is a game-like situation, then you're you're that much further ahead. Um, to your point, we, to your point, sir? can I jump on that real quick? Sure. I'm a drummer. Sure. I've played drums since I was four. Um, I don't know if I really played them when I was four, but I started banging around, right? And uh, even at my advanced age, just last night, I was um, working on some things, um, just new techniques that are new rhythms that I've never done before. And your initial, my initial thing was, is I wanted to see how I could do it fast, right? And I, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't do it very well. And so I had to break it down to each movement and each component very slow, add this in very slow, slower, add it in quick, quicker, and then you get it. So if you're in a practice, you don't have a lot of time to do that because if the coach has blown a whistle for you to come over and you're trying something, they get mad, right? Because you're not... Yeah. On to the next. You can't really do it there, right? Um, right? To slow it down to the mundane, to the basic, go slow, get your hands, get your positioning, and, and are your hands out front? Are they tight? You know, how are you? All of it. Um, this yep. gives you the ability to take your time with no pressure to really work on the things with your hand skills. And I think most importantly, your shooting. One more thing. Uh, I think that I've always told players at captain's practices that I've run in the past, you know, um, I view a good player. Anybody can pass a puck. I mean, anybody can pass it, but not everybody can catch it. So to me, a good hockey player can catch a pass that's behind them, in front of them, in their feet, at their waist, whatever it is, you catch the pass. So if you keep Mm -hmm. using that, that tool, and you put yourself in position to just continually catching passes, you make the next step of catching tougher passes easier. If you can't catch an easy pass, you'll never be able to catch a tough pass. Yeah, for for sure. And and we think about it like, you know, there's many different uh, levels of player, I think, that could benefit from having our shooting tarp, for example. Um, You know, if if you're a mite, the kid is just... You know, you're you're talking with them about kind of squaring up and how their hands go in a shot, but but frankly, just getting them used to the motion. And then, you know, as they get older in mites, they're trying to lift the puck, and then that becomes the big challenge that they all want to do. And then is and then they when they lift their puck comfortably in their forehand, then you introduce the backhand. Then you start to introduce, uh, um, you know, having them do it on one leg or having them do it where they're kind of slightly off balance, which becomes more similar to game like situation. Then you have them do it with movement. 
then you have them do it more in their backhand. You have them focus on being up close um, and in tight relative to the goal versus, you know, being 10 or 15 feet out. Um, because, you know, being wide open in the slot 15 feet out is nice, but um, a lot of the shots are, you know, you're in, you're in tight. You need to practice an in tight backhand, you know, shots. Um, you know, certainly once the players get, uh, get older and more comfortable, um, you can create a lot more complexity in obstacle courses and do it, start to do it with speed when you're on the synthetic ice. And to your point, um, you know, practicing the, the saucer pass to the pass master and have it come back and practice one timers. Um, but we also just, you know, it's a, it's a product that also could just be like family, you know, family game night or, or fun with totally. friends where there is still a, a, a training aspect and benefit to it, but you can play around the world. You can play pig, you can play, you know, little Johnny says, okay, I'm, I'm calling it top right. And then he's got three tries to get to the top right. And then, you, you know, you play pig just the same way you would in basketball. So there's, uh, there's lots of, uh, different age levels that can, that can benefit. And, and if you get the kid with a stick in their hand, shooting pucks, they're going to get better. And they're, and if they can have fun while they're doing it and it doesn't feel like it's work, it just feels like they're having fun. Then it, you know, it's a win-win for everybody. That's fantastic. We've got about a minute and a half left here uh, in this segment. Passmaster, by the way, is part of your Black Friday uh, really great offer here. You, you, what do you say? Selly with Black Friday savings, uh, save up to 50%. There's no coupon or coupon needed there. And um, one of the things I see right on there, uh, did I see that you have something? Um, the Passmaster has got a really good-looking price to it. Yeah, we've. Um, you're absolutely right. The Black Friday deals um, uh, are are definitely uh, alive right now. They're going to run it through um, uh, for a couple more weeks. You know, the Black Friday is not just day after Thanksgiving anymore. It, it starts earlier and it extends later. So um, a lot of the prices we've um, uh, we, we've we've tried to offer kind of our best prices of the year. And I want to say Passmaster is something that normally is. Um, uh, that MSRP would be as high as $187. Uh, we mark it down to 140 uh, when it's regularly on sale. And the Black Friday sale is down to 119.97. Um, so we feel pretty. We feel this is a great value. It's a great tool. It's going to last you for years. You can take it on ice. You can use it uh, in your tiles in the basement. Um, and it's uh, there's a lot of ways it can help you get better. Fantastic shop online. SnipersEdgeHockey.com. He is David Schuler. He's the owner and CEO of the uh, company. And if you don't know who they are or what they do by the time this youth and high school hockey season is over, if you're dealing with us at the MNHockey.tv, you're just not listening. So uh, we are glad to have you on board and uh, look forward to uh, some great products to uh, really get out there and promote for you and are excited to get the season started. So, David, thank you so much for your time, and uh, we will be seeing you around the bend very shortly. Very good, Pete. Thanks for the conversation. My pleasure. That's going to do it for today's program. For David Schuler and Tim Kolomainen, I'm Pete Wagner. So long, everybody.